Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these master classes are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have Toltec mystic Rahilio Rodriguez. And Rahilio and I had a deep, deep conversation about the meaning of life, what our part is in it, how we can overcome the challenges in our life's journey, and so much more. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show Rahilio Rodriguez. How are you doing, Rahilio? I'm doing very, very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I'm I'm fascinated to hear your story and and your teachings. It's some I haven't had many Toltec, um, you know, shamans on the show to talk about that kind of wisdom uh, on before. So uh, my first question is, how did you start your spiritual journey? You know, back in the day, I was just a kind of a normal young teenage guy growing up, and um, so I'm 66 now. So, uh, you look fantastic, by the way, <laughs> back in the seventies, after the kind of revolution of the sixties, people were smoking marijuana and doing psychedelics. So I found myself, uh, you know, you know, encountering use of that. And I realized right away that I was way more sensitive than my friends because I was way more sensitive. Um, it pushed me into like uh, alternate reality states. And I had to go through a lot of soul searching and a lot of prayer to find myself. And when you say altered states, did you find yourself in altered states um, because you were taking a lot of that that stuff? Or were you just more sensitive to it? It uh, Not a lot because I was sensitive. My friend would be having fun and I think I'm dying. And I have to go into my soul and say, why am I dying? What's going on? But uh, who is it that's dying and why? And... And I had to start soul searching and I kind of became a little bit introverted with that because I, I didn't want to be social and be a part of the, the social scene. I was more uh, just wanted to explore myself, who am I and what's going on there. So when you were, do you mind going a little bit deeper into those experiences when you, when you happen to, to take the, those psychedelics? Because I've spoken to many people who have taken them and, and that is a common theme, what you're saying. Many, many have fun and they just kind of go on a ride. Many actually have a really kind of like walking in the valley of the shadow of death kind of thing. 
and really look into their soul. And from my understanding is what dies is the ego, the self, the identity, the id in and whatever else you want to call it. And it kind of opens yourself up to what you truly are. Is that kind of what your experience was? Uh, it's definitely a part of the process, you know, because when you, nothing like thinking you're going to die to make you get spiritual real quick. <laughs> begin to pray and begin to uh, ask great spirit. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe in what is the sacred, you know, you start asking for help to understand what's going through, what's going on with that. So it pushed me into experiences where I had a, a spontaneous Kundalini experience and uh, my Kundalini awoken, rose up my spine and up top, top of my head and came down on, on me like a rainbow, rainbow colors. So I had also then begin to encounter some spiritual beings that came to me and for the most part it's a very beautiful thing, but I also had an encounter with one that was not so positive and that jolted me. So uh, I kind of put that all away until I turned 21. I was in college in uh, California. I was in Marin County, a little community college there. And my friends used to have some really great parties. And one of the parties, somebody wanted to smoke some really good Buddhist Thai stick, that really powerful uh, kind of psychedelic weed. And so we, uh, everybody smoked a hit of that. And I, I saw it kind of wiped everybody out like, wow, they're just whew, kind of clouded in their heads. And I had a cloud in my mind and I just said to myself, I want to see through this fog in my mind. I want to see through this fog. And a beam of light came, 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 hit me right in the center of the brain. Because my perception, my mind was no longer contained within my head, but now my perception was outside my mind. And the fog was all around me like that. And then the, the beam hit me in the center of the eye, opened up my mind. And then my master teacher said to me, it is time for you to wake up, remember, and learn. So... All of a sudden, I had this flashback of all these kind of psychic type of experiences I had as a teenager that I had forgotten about. You've ever had a real vivid dream, and then five minutes later, you can't remember it? Yeah. Like that. Those were the experiences are like that, They're, and you can't bring them back down. And all of a sudden, they all came flooding back into my consciousness, and I, they jolted me when I was recalling. And I left the party, and I went to, over to where I lived, and it was like 10.30. The, around the corner was a bookstore open until midnight. I started trying to find books I could read, give me answers. And I went into an obsessive study period for about six months, trying to find answers. And the best ones I found was saying you had to go to Vision Quest to connect directly with the spirit because you can't get that information from a book. And uh, I ended up dropping out of college and going to Hawaii. But uh, it was through my prayers. For three nights, I prayed really hard. For like an hour each night, I cried to the great spirit to help awaken me and show me show me what's real, show me the power of this supernatural thing, you know, in a natural way. And uh, I started having spontaneous mystical experiences. And uh, that was enough when I started seeing that, that, okay, I need to drop out of college and I need to go find myself. So I ended up going over to Maui, Hawaii to live there. And, and there I had, a, a that was a really important place for me at that time of my life in my early 20s. You mentioned something, a vision quest. Can you dive into what exactly a vision quest is for people who don't understand? Well, from, a, from a more of a traditional point of view, uh, Native people, some like people would, you know, fast and go on the mountain for four days. Or some of them would, uh, you know, uh, use the sacred uh, peyote or the mushroom. And today, ayahuasca has become very, very popular. 
and through the nighttime dreaming awake into alternate reality. So my first uh, uh, true quest, I just prayed for three nights in a row, an hour each night, and I had to begin to have the mystical experiences. But I realized as a teenager, I was pushing myself on vision quests, and I didn't even know it. I didn't know what a vision quest was, but I was, I just needed to be alone and go do this, experiment with this thing, and see what it's going to do to me, and see what it's about. I was like, like a scientist. And then I pushed myself, like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind. So, great spirit, help me, God help me. And then, bam, have my opening to the spirit through intense prayers. So, vision quest is really about your, your intense prayer and your surrender and your asking for guidance and help. And, and, uh, and if it's meant to be, you, you will have a, like a dreaming awake, you'll receive a guidance from the spirit that way. Now we've discussed, we've said it a couple times in this conversation. Uh, Toltec wisdom. What is uh, who? First of all, who were the Toltecs? Well, the Toltec is different ideas around the Toltec. You see, it was back in the '60s and '70s. Uh, a writer named Carlos Castaneda wrote about the Toltec wisdom from Don Juan. Mm-hmm. And he wrote many books and had a big following. And today you'll see there's somebody like Adam Miguel Ruiz and some other people who are also part of a Toltec lineage. Now people always ask me, what's my native ancestry? And, um, and uh, so when I go back to my ancestry, my native bloodline is called Purapecha. Purapecha is out of Mexico. I'm from the Midwest. I was born in the state of Iowa. I didn't have a really strong connection there. Didn't speak Spanish, didn't, didn't have that. And um, and uh, so when I go down there, I'd go to the pyramids, uh, Yucatan, Teotihuacan, uh, uh, I'd go to places like that. But it's been a while since I've been down to the pyramids. But back in those days, as I was awakening to myself, I realized that, you know, that my indigenous soul was really powerful. It was guiding me, you might say. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And uh, when I first saw the writings of Carlos Castaneda, I, I got some good information from them, but I rejected them as a, a path for me because it was, uh, there was too much fear in some of that writing, too much extreme stuff there. And I was going more towards uh, to, to the divine, to my connection with Christ energy. But later, as I, after I had other mystical experiences, I came back around in the 1990s, like 1991, I saw a book called The Power of Silence. It, it, the power of silence and it was a trigger for me because I had such a profound mystical experience with the power of silence. When before I dropped out of college, when I was dropping out of college, I was leaving to go to Hawaii, to Maui. Uh, that week, there I saw there was a renowned Native American medicine man speaking in Berkeley, California. His name was Rolling Thunder. I had read I read a book about him, and, and the guy that wrote the book about was totally blown away by this guy's abilities with a spiritual power. And so I went to go hear him talk. And my idea was to have an elder teach me, like a you know, a father, a spiritual shaman father teach me. And but I'm gonna I've already got my ticket to leave to Hawaii three days later. This is like Friday night. I'm leaving Wednesday. So he he's doing this talk. He's got a lot of people in the audience. And then after he finished this talk he goes, you, you, you and you come over and talk to me before you leave. He had pointed to me, so I went over there and he started saying that he wanted to train us in, on the Red Road. 
and Vision Quest, Medicine Wheel, Sweat Lodge, uh, uh, Plant Medicines, uh, Desert Survival was a big one. He had a ranch in Nevada. Nevada's a lot of desert over there. I had already had my uh, heart set to go to Maui. And my friend there and think about the beach and Hawaii being a lot of fun too, because I'm 20, you know, 22 years old. And as he's offering us, offering me this opportunity to come and train with him, I'm, I'm torn inside because I want to do that. But I've also already got the ticket and I'm already all set up to go to Maui. I already put my, my little Volkswagen bug on a boat, sent it to Hawaii, it's already on the way. So I'm already going. And um, uh, he's talking to us. And in my mind, I'm kind of conflicted. Like, oh my God, like, I want this. Yeah, I'm already going there and Hawaii's gonna be fun. This is hard desert survival, vision quest, sweat lodge. It's very strict, psych, grandfather character, very strong man, very disciplined, very strict, you know, which would have been maybe a good thing for me. But at the same time, I'm going like Hawaii and I'm, everything's there for me. And so he says to me, okay, he looks at me and says, okay, because I was the main one he was really wanting to invite. And he, he was saying to me, okay, you're not going to come, but in seven years, you will walk the railroad. At that time, I was not walking the Red Road yet. In the, in the college that I was going to, I was the head of a Native American student organization. I was more of a political activist, more of a, uh, having to raise funds for the cultural uh, situations there, some of the tribes in the Northern California area. And um, so I was not uh, actively walking that path. I was more of, like I say, from a, like a, you know, a political activist. And, uh, Somebody said, like in seven years, you'll walk the red road. Well, I went to Maui and I did my time there. I did a lot of studying and uh, a lot of personal growth and my own vision quest there. But the time came for me to leave and come to the mainland and it brought me to Sedona. That's my backdrop here around me, the red rocks. And, uh, and uh, within the first year I got here, I started having dream visions of Native American people coming to me, telling me, without speaking to me, but with silence, they were saying, do the ceremonies, do the prayers, do it the right way, do it the right way. And they were very adamant, very urgent, because they wanted somebody doing these prayers, because Sedona land had, as sacred to Native people, had becoming taken over by tourism, and people out of touch with this land as sacred, in, in a general sense. Uh, so there's always been spiritual people here, but those, Indian spirits, they wanted me to be doing that work. And I kind of pushed it back on them. I said to them, I didn't grow up with all that. So somebody's got to teach me. So I kind of pushed it back. Like somebody's got to teach me. So over the next few years, I had um, uh, met various uh, medicine men coming and, and teaching and participating in sweat lodges and uh, just get a feel for what they're doing. And I had become a, a guide at that time uh, already by 19. Uh, 88 as a guide. It was called a vortex um, tour guide. The tour is called the Sacred Earth Tour. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then I broke off and started my own business. And now I mystic tours with Rogelio. But I've, I've, I've expanded since that time. I had a chance to uh, grow in Hawaii, come into myself and then come here. I could start teaching and little by little uh, develop into who I am now 30, you know, four years later, 35 years later. So can you, in, in, in a nutshell, I know it's difficult to say, but what are the basic 
the basic principles of Toltec wisdom? Is there is there some pillars, understandings of what Toltec wisdom is? Yeah, I found that the Toltec wisdom to be the most profound uh, that, of information I had studied. And um, uh, a lot of the yoga traditions and uh, other mystical traditions, they don't explain things so clearly how it all works. But the trick with the Toltec tradition from, from Don Juan's teaching perspective is that when you open yourself up to access power, you can be tempted by you know, a shadow force. So many of the people who had this magical abilities went out to the dark side. And so there's a struggle between the light and the dark. And this is why many traditions don't teach certain methods because they don't want to set people up to go to the dark side with it. So sorcery and shamanism, there's kind of this push-pull between those two uh, polarities. So um, Toltec shamanism is very simple in that energy is consciousness. You need energy to be awake. You need energy to be present. You need energy to, uh, to like say, to move forward on your path. And so it's all about cultivating energy and stopping the wasting of energy. How do we waste energy? We overinvest our ego. We uh, try to validate ourselves. We try to defend ourselves. We try to promote ideas. We try to, we're outside of ourselves in the ego mind. So the ego is where the energy gets locked up, gets stuck. And so it's, it's becoming transpersonal, moving the ego out of the way. And to move the ego out of the way is talking about the power of silent wisdom. Silent wisdom is where you can have a quiet mind. And when your mind becomes quiet, then you can begin to dream awake. So you have these two sides, your yin and your yang. Your day side is your, your active side, your masculine yang side, your day side. I got to show up, I got to do, I got to think, I got to be present. The more I know and the better I do what I do, the more success I can create. That's called the first attention, the first attention, how we manifest this 3D world and master our creative purpose here. And so a lot of teachings there for how you harness your energy and your practice and your description of the world is having a correct description is very, very important. And so then you have the nighttime side. The nighttime side is your passive side. You're relaxing. Usually you're working during the day and you're relaxing in the evening. Now some people may work in the nighttime, but in general terms, we're relaxing in the evening and it's more passive. It's time of more personal intimacy and family and connections and your, your emotional ties, et cetera. So that's our female side. And this is the healing side of our, of our nature. So the female, the, the female is a natural healer if she hasn't been damaged by her environment, by her upbringing, by her circumstances. The mm. female is a natural healer. And then we fall asleep. And when we fall asleep, we, we then uh, we go unconscious and we connect with the power of the soul. And so we receive the healing energy of our soul while we're sleeping. If you don't get enough sleep, you can burn yourself out. So your sleep, your deep sleep is very, very important to connect with soul healing. And then you begin to dream. So the dreaming is the second attention, the second attention. So with the second attention, dreaming consciously. The first attention is mastering your everyday world. Your sacred attention guides you in the mastery of the every, everyday world. Like, how do I bring my dreams down to earth and make it manifest? How are my dreams guiding me? Some people are very lucid dreamers. Uh, and some people are really sensitive like that. Uh, there's, you know, different types of dreaming. But ultimately, when you're having spiritual awakening, a lot of it will come through your dream mind. 
by cultivating a conscious dream level, you can begin to move into alternate realities through your dream time. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And this is how a lot of the shamanic people would go into the mystical state without using plant medicine. They would open their dream mind and step through the dream mind. So your right hand would be your first attention, your left hand, your second attention, right side of your body, your daytime side, your left brain crosses over to your right side, your left brain is your rational side. So your male side, the right side of your body. We live in a predominantly right-handed world. It's a male dominant cycle. And so waking the left hand side back up to awaken to it and to awaken to our dreaming ability, to awaken to our intuitive mind, to the mystical. In the past, if you were, in the past, if you were uh, left-handed, they'd make you right-handed. Right. Because they were scared of the left-hand side. Because the, the day side is the sun and the sun is represents, represents God in the nighttime was the full moon. If people be out underneath the full moon, they'd say, you got to be a lunatic to be out there under the full moon. Why would they call people a lunatic? Not because they dance crazy and be foolish, but because that's when the vampire and the werewolf came out. Right. Get home and put your protection, your garlic and your sage and cedar and, right. and evil out. So this struggle of good and evil, that does actually exist. <laughs> but the problem is that the left-hand side has been repressed and with that, the females. So we have in the past a whole purging of the female called the witch because of the psychic ability and, and the male patriarchy was threatened by the female mystical side. So a lot of women got burned at the stake in those lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Coming to this lifetime, I'm very angry about it. Like me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, without question. So. You mentioned a few things there I want to kind of dive into because I haven't really spoken to anybody about uh, sweat lodges and the medicine wheel. Can you kind of dive into both of those and explain to the audience what those things are in your practice? Well, I talked about the first attention, describing the nature of reality. The medicine will describe the nature of reality. It's our daytime side teaching. So you have a, a... a description that you have an altar. So if out of the great mystery, the great spirit was into a deep sleep state and then reawakened into the next day of creation, out of the darkness, he dreamed forth, great spirit dreamed forth creation. So in the medicine wheel, in the, it's a circle within a circle. So in the center circle would be like the black hole of the galaxy. The mystery coming forth and dreaming creation into being. And so that's from the galactic level. But from the solar system level, that would come forth as the sun. The sun would be in the center. The sun would be like the fire, the sacred fire, mm-hmm. the great spirit, the fire. And and from that fire came forth, that one divided into three. It's like Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity came forth. Father, Mother, Son. Father, God, Mother, God, Christ. That's the triangle. And so from the the one light that divided into the three primary colors, then goes into the seven. So there would be the seven sacred dancers. 
dancing around the ceremonial fire. So those seven stones representing the seven dancers, this would be representation for the planet Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, the seven sacred dancers, not counting the Earth, not counting Pluto. So those are the seven lords of light, and they are the lords who created, oversaw creation, the seven days of creation. And you familiar with the seven chakras? Right. There's seven musical notes. There's seven the rainbow colors. So seven is a sacred thing. It is said that creation is vibrated into the power of seven. <clears throat> so is is that why that, I mean, I've heard that the number seven pop up in many uh, ancient texts and spiritual teachings, and it's just a, a number that just keeps popping up from the seven chakras to 49 different layers of existence, which are seven, seven, yeah, and then seven of the seven and the seven, and it just keeps going and going. So it is a number that keeps coming up and up and again and again. It's not just lucky number seven, uh, which is probably where that came from. Yes, because a lot of the spiritual things are hidden in our games. Right. Are playing cards, are playing cards. People blowing dice. They use their breath. The breath is power. So a lot of shamanism is tied into modern life. People don't know it though. It's like a little. It's in the zeitgeist. It's in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so seven. Everything is is taught that is divided in part of seven. And then there's other number sequences like nine and you know 13 and other numbers, but seven is like a basic, the seven spirits. If you look at the Christian revelations, there was a seven spirits before the throne of God. So it's the same teaching. And I think this is a, a there's different levels of what God represents. We have human beings embodied as gods in our mythologies who are at war over control of the planet and they've kind of tainted our religions a little bit with their fighting and then there's great spirit god who's pure love right this is why our religions are a little bit uh, skewed because you would call them the anunnaki mm -hmm. heard about the anunnaki yes okay so that that was a very real presence on the planet and there was a strictness about them that you know human beings had to conform and, well, that was, and for people who don't know who the Anunnaki is, isn't that the Sumer that came from the Sumerian texts yes. back in? I mean, we're talking some of the first written texts yes. that we, that survived that we've been able to find is a, about the Anunnaki, and and as lore goes, the Anunnaki came down from uh, another civilization and created humans in their own likeness to, uh, to if I'm not mistaken, to to mine for gold as a slave. Uh, a slave species, if you will. And there's a lot of, <clears throat> I mean, this is Sumerian text. This is not sci-fi. This is Sumerian text. 6,000 years old, 4,000 years old, 2,000 years old, Babylonian and Akkadian. So it, um, some of it may be out of context, some of the information that people are putting out because it's not all bad or it's not all good. But the different factions are fighting with each other. Right. You look at Egypt, uh, the god Osiris, Rivaling with his brother for control of Egypt, his brother Seth killed him. Right. And so later, uh, his son Horus comes back and avenges the father's death and takes uh, Seth down. So mm. there, you find all these stories, it's kind of like conflict between the gods. And so this kind of has passed down, uh, passed down through the lineages. And uh, 
people building pyramids and having this type of knowledge were linked in with, the, with God. Well, let me ask you something, because, you know, you go back to Hindu texts and Jainism and even Sumerian texts. We can kind of see the lineage of how long ago these things. When did the Toltec wisdom begin? When when was like the beginning stages of it? Because it was it was a it was an oral oral um, passing along. It wasn't books or or stones, you know, carved in stones. Am I correct in saying that? Most native traditions are oral tradition, but in Mexico they actually had written books, except right. for the Spanish burned them all, except for maybe like three or four or five. Right, I heard of yeah, for yeah, the Mayans and the Aztecs. For the Popobu and some other things are some of them stories have been recorded. And so if you look at the creation stories, they're all kind of similar between the different cultures. Even though they're metaphors and they're symbolic, there's a lot of similarity within them. And so the Toltec were they the Lord Quetzalcoatl was head of the Toltec. His kingdom was overthrown the year like around the year one thousand or so. Some of the other tribes that had joined, like the Aztec and some of the other warrior tribes, they came and they were living under the roof of the Toltec, you might say, in the city of Tula. And there was uh, the dark forces were working to overthrow that unity of that, of that, of that city-state. And uh, Quetzalcoatl's story and the fall of the Toltec, and the, the Toltec scattered. And so the Aztecs took some of their teachings, other tribes took some of their teachings, but the the lord quetzalcoatl was like a jesus he was all about peace all about wisdom all about compassion he gave certain prophecies and his prophecy spoke of the coming of uh, uh the coming of cortez he said to be his return coming back and would mark the fall of the aztec nation and instead it was cortez coming with the symbol for jesus and uh and right away with the spaniards coming in and the aztecs being dominating their neighbors Many of the native tribes joined with the Spanish to overthrow the Aztec. All the while, the, uh, the Spanish brought smallpox and other diseases with them and wiped out 90% of the native people in the first year or so. So the great crashing, pro prophecy crash was called the, the birth of the first of nine hell realms. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And if uh, you divide the year by seven, you get 52 weeks. You take a t sacred calendar, 20 signs times 13 days, 260. So if you have a 260 day calendar and the 365 year calendar, when the 260 ends, it starts again. When the 365 ends, it starts again. And every 52 years, they line up. It's kind of like the seven times 749. But mm -hmm. this way, 52 is a sacred number. Five and two is seven. And so every cycle is 52 years. So uh, nine hells of 52 years, uh, nine hells of increasing doom the Native American world had to go through with, with the conquest and the coming, you know, that, that spread up to the North American, South America, it all spread, destroyed the Native American world, hell realm for Native people. At the end of that cycle, 1987, August was the end of the hell realm cycle and the birth of what we call the harmonic convergence. This was the rebirthing of the Native American soul. And many people starting to really come into alignment with the wisdom of the Native people. And instead of being the only good Indian was a dead Indian and the Native people being repressed, right. now there began to be a, an awakening uh, that was showing this, uh, the, the soul of the Native people being reborn. 
And so by 1991, this was a solar eclipse went across Mexico. It was a, like over seven minutes. It was a very incredible solar eclipse, 1991. That was the birth of the sixth sun. The fifth sun came to an end in 2012. Everybody thought the Mayan calendar ends 2012, end of the world is going to be the big shift in the new dimension. Well, we're in a we're in a transition phase between the suns, and uh, the the sixth sun began in 1991 after that total solar eclipse. And what happened was there began to be mass sightings of UFOs over Mexico. Mm -hmm. At that time, people had the handy camcorders. They became popular. Those little portable hand camcorders. They started getting all these videos of the UFO phenomenon over Mexico. If you go back on YouTube and look through UFOs over Mexico, you see also the 90s mass sightings are being filmed. Well, I mean, look, I mean, they just came out, the government just came out with footage. The U.S. government just came out with footage of, uh, they don't call them unidentified flying objects. They call them something else, but they're essentially, yeah, yeah, aerial phenomenon or something like that. But they're basically UFOs and there's footage of it and there's pilots to talk about it. So, I mean, something's happening. What it is, we don't know. But, it, you know, it is what it is. It's, it, there is, it, it's very interesting to see what's what's going on right now. I want to ask you from from a Toltec. Let me, let, me, let me interject on you there. Please, please go ahead. Uh, so the elders in Mexico said, hey, this is that some people are returned to let us know that they come to help us remember who we are. Uh -huh. Our souls have come from the stars. We are star beings having a human experience. So that's when I started having my, my UFO encounters started in Hawaii. And then I came to Sedona and the day I arrived here, they beamed into my mind in a meditation. They spoke to me in my mind and they said, this is where you come to do your work. You're to be a spiritual guide. At that time, I was 31 years old. I dropped out at 22 years old from college. And so I had like nine years I had been on my path studying and learning and trying to find, you know, the answers to life and, uh, and received many of those answers. And uh, I knew I was to leave Hawaii, so I was traveling in a year and a half here on the mainland, California, Phoenix, and I got to Sedona, summer solstice 1987. And the day I arrived here, they beamed into my mind in meditation, opened up my mind and began to speak to me in my mind. It was these two women who had contacted me on Maui. These are star people. They said, this is where you come to do your work. You're to be a spiritual guide. Uh, there will be thousands of people coming to you looking for answers. So answer their questions. Speak of love and inspiration because a great awakening is coming. It's been prophesied by the ancient cultures. They talked about the higher mind, how we're going to awaken to our higher minds and the universal consciousness and the kind of the quantum consciousness. They said that there's going to be a cataclysm with this earth coming in the future. In our future, the earth is going to go through a cataclysm. You can already feel it. That's why people are trying to do the new green deal in politics. They're trying to avert this earth disaster. They feel it coming. They're scared to death of it. They're trying to stop the global warming. They're trying to, it's, it's too late for that. It's too late for that. It's already coming. It's a part of a greater cycle that is bringing this change into the planet. The galaxy pulses as a, as a living consciousness. The galaxy is pulsing a heartbeat. And it waves, waves, waves. We're right out on the outer edge of the galaxy, which is a great vortex of stars. Like a domino, they start hitting each other. It's coming our way. We're already in it, but this wave is coming stronger. It's kind of like a hurricane comes. The first waves of it is gentler winds and rains, but then as it comes, the full force comes in. And right. when it comes in, the frequency is going to shift us 
to another dimensional real level of consciousness. That's why we are doing our work. Many, many people are doing the work to help awaken people up to the point of love. Right. To the point of love. Because love is the gateway to eternity. Great spirit is eternal love. And so when we are down here struggling to what we forget that we come from eternity, we lose perspective that we're this human being stuck in the 3D with ego needs or people are angry and frustrated and they're fighting for control. And today is our uh, election day. And people are angry because they're trying to overthrow like the deep state and there's all this right wing kind of extremism and oh no they're going socialism and there's too much yes extremes on both sides right yeah yes and and stupidity on both sides i I agreed (laughs) and and, uh and uh in that struggle the people who are holding the light have to stay in the middle Mm. and hold a space for people from the extremes come back to the middle because some things are just out of balance, out of balance, both sides, mm. you know, but, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like fossil fuel. We're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, we need it because our whole system is built on it. But I know people that were inventing things, to inventing uh, like free energy technology that got suppressed. I mean, Tesla, the original Tesla, not the car. I mean, that was the, the definition of what they did to him. Yeah. And he was talking about free energy and and wireless transfer of, of electricity through his uh, Tesla coil and so many other things that he eventually just died insane. Poor guy. But well, he, he was, him. yeah. Well, it's like the Dr. Frankenstein. He took the lightning and used it to give life to his guy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Tesla's doing. He's tapping the power of lightning. That's Earth Kundalini. It's. I, I think that, and I've heard this from many spiritual teachers I've been speaking to on the show, is that we are going through a great awakening right now. We are going through, um, we got to kind of go through the fire before the chaos has to kind of bring everything up. Because just like giving birth, it's not pleasant. It's very painful. There's a lot of blood. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff happening. But that's where birth, that's where life comes from. And we're going through that. And we're not out of the woods yet. They say it's going to get a little worse before it, it finally, we get on the other side of it. But we have a few more years of insanity uh, because the pandemic was the first kind of shot across the bow. Exactly. Because uh, exactly. that's the first, I, and I've said that so many times, it's like this is the first time in my lifetime and arguably ever in the history of man that recorded in the history of man that we know of that the entire planet felt something at the same time. And since we're also interconnected, it shut down. I mean, I, the planet shut down. I mean, dolphins were swimming in Venice. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty amazing, remarkable. Now, Rahelia, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of my guests. Um, what is your definition of living a good life? Well, you know, you know, it's like, I really love the teachings of Jesus. I love Jesus' teachings. I don't particularly care for religion so much because mm-hmm. of the hypocrisy. And uh, people, uh, you know, uh, talking religious concepts, if they're not walking that truth, like, okay, we believe in the right to life, but okay, give money for the women with the children that need support, you know? Oh, that's socialism. So that's a, we're caught in a catch-22, mm-hmm. both both ways. So it's a do unto others as you want done unto you. 
and love God with your body, mind, and soul. That's the simple teaching right there. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. To love others and treat them as you want to be treated and, and strengthen your connection to the Great Spirit. If you do that, you have integrity in what you do. You're not trying to rip people off. I mean, look at how many people are doing sales jobs and trying to sell people something they don't need. Hmm. And at the end of the day, they come home feeling like, you know, I got to get a sale, I got to get a sale, I got to get a sale. And oh, I'm taking advantage of people to get my sale. Now it goes more extreme to to politicians trying to get a sale kind of and then they don't live up to the because they're being bought off by big money interest buying politicians up on both parties so both parties are being the strings are being pulled by the people with the biggest money and and then they don't want to disclose who's paying who's the donor of paying the money up so so everything is being it's it's like um how can we all get along when we start having hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and extreme winds and cold and the grid going down? Are we going to work together, cooperate? Or are we going to have criminals loose who are going to like try to take advantage of people? And so the criminal element is, um, you know, that especially you know, you have, where you have poverty, People trying to survive, you have the criminal element. And where you have a lot of money, and people have got a lot of money and they want to maintain that money, that lifestyle, that is where the criminal element is the strongest, those two extremes. Mm-hmm. Very true. Now, how do you define God? The galaxy, the great wheel. Yep, I see it. Symbol is. The symbol of the galactic center, uh-huh. the galactic butterfly, the spirit of the galaxy, the living soul, the galactic butterfly. Mm-hmm. The galactic butterfly is pure love. The source is love. And when we're down here in duality, we are disconnected from that love. We're disconnected from that unity consciousness. We're disconnected and we forget who we are. And we fight with ourselves, we fight with others, we fight with our programming. We project our shadow. We're stuck in the lower. We're working out our karma down here in the 3D. So God is love. God is life. Life. You have life is inside you right now. You're breathing the breath of life. Your breath is your prayer. Your breath is your consciousness. Am I breathing? What do I feel? What's my breath? And if life is in you and the great spirit's inside you, then the ego mind gets in the way by being attached to what it believes it thinks it needs. It's desires, it's program, it's ego gets conditioned into duality. This is why Lord Buddha said the ego mind is the illusion that we're in a unity consciousness. The Buddha was not an atheist. The Buddha was tapped into the universal consciousness from the galactic center. Mm-hmm. There are billions of galaxies. And so this vast creation came from the source, the great mystery, birthed the galaxies, who birthed the stars. And each star is a living sentient being. Each star is a consciousness. The same way the earth is a conscious being. So everything is consciousness. We're related to the whole of creation. And creation is within us. So if you get your ego conditioned mind, your anger, your rage, your fear, your programming out of the way, 
you strip away your program so that you can become super conductive. And if and, you can become and, that, then you can be a living ex expression of the divine. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Well, I'm in Sedona, Arizona. Sedona's famous for the Red Rocks. And uh, my webpage, www.rahelio.com. Rahelio, it's been a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Thank you so much for your, uh, your insight and your tour through Toltec Wisdom. And it's a little bit of its history as well. And I appreciate what you're doing for the world, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Have a beautiful day. I want to thank Rahelio so much for coming on the show and sharing all of his knowledge with all of us. Thank you so much, Rahelio. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 163. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.